0: Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans, with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten.
1: Welcome to GTO Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten, your host. And I am delighted to be back with you this week. I did, um, I did run an encore last week. It was my interview with Eric Mazel about basically daily practices and living your life purpose choices, is what it's called. And I ran that for a couple of reasons. I was, um, I had nothing. <laughs> I had traveled and I did some travel shows and an arrival show and, My health was a little bit down and my stress was a little bit up or maybe more than a little bit in both of those cases. And, uh, yeah, I didn't have anything. Uh, so sometimes, you know, sometimes you might not have anything. And there was a time in my uh, history as a perfectionist that I would have forced myself to create some, something, some content, something and probably been pretty hard on myself about the quality. Of what I created, etc., and I don't do that to myself anymore. Um, I have had some wonderful guests since I started the show. If you're a a regular listener, pardon, you'll know that I do quite a number of solo shows, and I've also had some really fun guests. And so, when I don't really, when I don't really have anything, you know, I'm I'm creating. Uh, So, if you're a creative person, you also will know that (laughs) sometimes you either have a block or you're exhausted, or you just don't you can't force it like you can't force something to come out of you that's not there and typically that means I just need to care for myself and and focus on some other things so that those uh creative uh i'll just call them popcorns though so that creative popcorn can start to pop again and so I reran that show for that reason, and also I found that. In the state that I was in, which again, I, you know, high stress, low health, v- very much connected, you know, uh, for me, of course. I think for most human beings, if our stress stays high for a substantial period of time, our bodies will normally give us some feedback about that. And so mine was definitely giving me some feedback. And I did sink a bit. Um, as I tend to do into uh, my anesthesia these days, I've eliminated the vast majority of my anesthesia behaviors because they weren't serving me because they tend to become outsized um, and harm me in some way. And so I've systematically eliminated many of them. What remains, I would say are inertia. So just, just nothing, just sort of an inertia and also the combination of inertia and television. And there's nothing wrong with television. And certainly I find things to watch that are interesting to me or enriching in some way, or I appreciate the writing or the acting or the sets or whatever. Um, and that's that's all well and good. And there's a line uh, at which it crosses over into being what I just call outsized. And it's not really joyful. Anymore, I'm simply hiding uh, in inertia and TV. So I did find that to be happening, <clears throat> and I I understood it, and I knew it was happening. And sometimes I simply need to stay with it for long enough to become sick and tired of it. <laughs> I'm you know I'm no different from from any of you who might be listening who have trouble breaking a pattern or find yourself in a pattern that you know is potentially not that great for you but it's sticky and uh, though that combination in our shen television is pretty sticky for me and what i found was that i could not think my way out of it i could not uh, wait and hope my way out of it and i certainly couldn't watch my way out of it by looking at the tv it was my practices so it all comes back to the practices that I know lift me up, put me in motion. And all of those things are connected, not just to my physical health, but my mental health and uh, my spiritual health. And it also moves me forward um, with whatever it is that I have going on, whether it's work or getting settled in a new apartment or whatever it might be, uh, sitting, watching, thinking, waiting, and hoping, (laughs) yeah, that wasn't working. So those are the reasons that I decided to do the encore of my interview with Eric Mazel, who for me, um, uh, you know, such a helpful person who just is very prolific in terms of what he puts out, uh, in terms of his writing and so incredibly helpful. I can listen for five, 10, 15 minutes to one of his books and I walk away with something either that I knew about but needed to be reminded of, or maybe that I didn't hear uh, when I listened before. So I'm feeling uh, quite a lot better. And today, uh, it's Sunday today that I'm recording this. And I uh, woke up, you know, um, I do want to mention sleep. And so I am going to tell you again about Stellar Sleep. It's an app that I use to address my nearly lifelong insomnia. I had insomnia as a teenager, and I've had some form of it ever since then and spent uh, quite a number of years on pharmaceuticals that were for anxiety and insomnia and became basically dependent on those. And also they stopped working that well. So I was still struggling with sleep and taking all these pharmaceuticals and having to then manage to get those, whether I'm in the US or here in Malta, you know, I'm going through uh, a variety of, uh, logistical issues and financial issues to procure these medications. And they're not even working that well. And I don't really like to be dependent, et cetera. So I eliminated them and boy, the insomnia was like, here I am. I'm here. I didn't go away. I didn't think it would go away, but whoo, boy, was it there? And I stumbled upon stellar sleep. And as with anything, you know, it works if you work it. So. You have to actually do what the app suggests that you do. And I did that. I I really wanted to address my sleep issues in a way that was long-term and that did not require any type of pharmaceutical or supplement or anything like that. I I have this, uh, it's a dream. It's a dream of being able to just fall asleep and sleep soundly all night and wake up. Now, is that what's happening for me? Not exactly. However... What is happening for me is that I do get at least the five and a half hours of core sleep that is important for health and mental acuity and productivity pretty much every night. Now, um, I will say that I wake up probably twice a night and what's different about those wakeups is that I used to bemoan them. Oh my God. Why am I awake? Why is this happening? Oh, why am I not asleep? And the moment that I would do that, it just takes me out of that sleep state or that relaxed state. And it makes it much harder to go back to sleep. And I now understand that, you know, it's natural. It's natural for us to wake up. We actually wake up. Um, a bunch of times or just not aware of it, these are the times that I'm aware of waking up. And I just say, hmm, I'm awake. Okay. That's normal. That's normal for me. And I breathe into my belly and I give it at least, at least 10 minutes. And usually I don't, I don't even know what happens because I'm, I'm back asleep. If I do need to turn something on to listen to, to give my mind something to do, I go ahead and do that. And often I, I, it's just a couple minutes, I think, and then I go back to sleep. And then I'm awake sometime between five and six a.m. Naturally, it doesn't seem to matter what time I really go to sleep. And again, I was never prior to this. I was never an early riser, um, but that was generally because of the drugs that I was taking, I think. And so, in the beginning, when I began to work on my sleep, I would, I would, oh. Why am I awake this early? What's going on? I want to be asleep. I don't want to be awake. Well, ugh, what a terrible way to start my day. I didn't want to start my day like that anymore. And so that's just the time I wake up. And, you know, when I'm at my mom's, the the birds are beginning to sing and the light is coming up. And, you know, there's just wonderful parts when I'm there of being up early and here the morning light is beautiful There's a guy that um, he has a horse. I'm pretty sure it's from the farm just down the road. There's a horse and a donkey that are at that farm. It's on the way to the beach uh, when I walked to the beach. And I did zip out onto my terrace because I was curious, is he riding that horse? What's going on? He's in like a a little one person kind of, I'm going to call it a buggy. But it's relatively modern it It looks you know like a nice, smooth ride, and he wears a reflective vest because he's out in the morning. It's an older gentleman, and he's out probably taking in the air and his horse is getting exercised and uh so the cicadas and uh once in a while, the donkey braying and the horse clippity clopping and the bird song and the morning light. It's wonderful. And I'm no longer bemoaning being awake. And so today I shifted my practices a bit. Um, because as I mentioned, the, the healing, if you will, was in the practices, not in my brain. Uh, not in my brain. (laughs) And, uh, Erdogan, uh, he has this way of saying, uh, don't think. Please don't think. And it's such a simple way of saying, you know, don't, don't get up into your head. And he also says, don't make stress, which I also love, not just in terms of its simplicity, but in terms of how I'll just say for myself, I make stress. I do. Um, Sometimes there's really no objective reason to be stressed, really not right in this moment. Sure. I have some stuff going on in my life as we all do, but there's no reason to really be stressed in this moment. It's when I get up in my head and my head tells me a bunch of stuff and crap talks me and and I get fearful and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm stressed. And so this idea, you know, don't think and don't make stress. I sort of use those as really simple ways to remind myself that I'm actually in charge. I'm in charge of this. So I was working a bit on my practices and thinking about what would lift me up because that's Generally, what I'm trying to do over here, I'm trying to lift myself up and stay up and stay in the flow of life and the universe and to be open, you know, and not contracted, not closed. And also, in, instead of sort of that, that black cloud that can feel like it's following you or the dust, the dust ball that follows pig pen. Uh, from the peanuts, I sometimes think about that. I imagine a ball of light uh, inside of me. And when I do my belly breathing, which has been an absolute game changer for me, I breathe into that ball of light and it expands and glows. And that I find very helpful. And so today I woke up at the usual time, five something. And I rolled out of bed and I did this 25-minute yoga practice that I've been doing, gosh, I'm going to say for about 12 years, maybe. It's one of my favorites. Um, I love Rodney Yee. Uh, If you're not familiar with him, you can find him on Gaia. He's one of my favorite instructors. And this is one of my favorite practices. It's Again, it's just 25 minutes, a little under. And I meditated and did my belly breathing, diaphragmic breathing uh, while I did it. It was interesting because my thoughts were all over the place, right? Which is what happens often when we meditate. And it was a matter of not identifying with them. I noticed them. Um, And certainly they kind of pulled me around here and there, but I would um uh, more so think, huh. This is interesting. I just woke up. I'm doing this wonderful yoga practice that I've been doing for 12 years. So it doesn't require a lot of thought. And, you know, my muscle memory is really there um, in order to do it. And I enjoy it and it it makes my body feel good. And uh, still, uh, my thoughts are all over the place. And I did a a brief meditation. It's called 60 Meditations for Greater Happiness. It's uh, on daily OM. I've been doing that for quite a long time as well. And they're about three minutes and they really are wonderful in terms of bringing me back to a peaceful place and reminding me that the only life that really exists is right now and that I can live it in the way that I want to live it in the way that brings me joy. And I do want to say to all of you, if you are... Feeling judged or criticized either by your inner critic, uh, that voice in your head, or by others. Because boy, we live in a judgy place, us humans. It's a judgy, critical place, okay? You are the only one living your life. The only one. And sure, you may have commonalities with others. It may resemble Somebody else's life, but you're the only one living your life. It doesn't have to make sense to anyone else. It doesn't have to be approved of by anyone else. You don't have to have other people's acceptance in order to accept yourself and your own life. And you don't have to do it right. I don't think that that exists. We think it does, and, and it brings us suffering. You know, I say in the beginning of the show, free ourselves from suffering. And sometimes I forget to talk about, you know, suffering is optional. Pain is different. Pain is human. Pain is common to all beings. Suffering is optional. Suffering for me is what happens when I allow the inner critic, uh, the voice of doubt, self hate, fear to run me. They're in the car. They're in the car. Yakety, either yakety yak, yakking from the backseat, backseat driving, super annoying, or worse, they're driving. Oh my God. No, no to all that. (laughs) So, uh, you know, part of my practices are to stop the car and kick them out And hopefully leave them in the middle of nowhere, because I would like to make it as difficult as possible for them to come back and bother me. So I did that um, in terms of, you know, uh, judging up my practices and um, I did my yoga and my little meditation. And I typically eat uh, in the morning. I I drink coffee and uh, it sounds maybe kind of gross. But they have here, it's an instant, it's a Lavazza instant coffee, and I can make it as strong as I want. And all I need is hot water and it's delicious to me. And so I have a strong cup of coffee, usually two at the most, and a banana, which really helps my gut, uh, my daily banana. A couple of Turkish figs, my favorite thing in the world, pretty much. Uh, I put a little salt on them and, um, some almonds and cashews and some golden raisins. And I was able to find one of my other favorite things at the, uh, one of the grocery stores here. Um, they're just dehydrated cranberries and you you do have to be careful because for the most part they put sugar on them, I guess, because they think they're too tart. But to me, that's the point of a cranberry is that it is tart. Um, and so I, I have some little cranberries with it and, I enjoyed my breakfast, and I think I watched something. You know, I turned something on to watch that was—I don't know—I can't remember what it was. It just was just something neutral. I stayed out of the news. Sometimes I have been reading the news in the morning. Um, it's been gosh, I've been doing that for years, and I—I I don't think it's actually good for the beginning of my day. Um, it really, you know, it's curated. Uh, so I just want to say that. So wherever you get your news. Uh, it's curated. And so sometimes what they want to tell me about is not helpful to me, uh, or at least it's not helpful to me in the morning. So I didn't do that today. I didn't really read anything uh, today in terms of news. And then I waited until my gut felt safe. And I did take an Imodium, uh, because that is important for me when I'm going to go out, particularly earlier in the day. And then I walked down to the beach, and um, it is a—it's short. It's just a 15-minute walk. It's very steep, so it's a steep drop down. So you have to be, you know, pretty careful not to uh, topple, ass over tea kettle, which would be something that I would do. I'm not uh, the most coordinated. My depth perception is is also not the best, just because I have monocular vision, meaning one eye works at a time. They don't both work at the same time. And so I have a few little challenges like that. So I carefully walk down there and it's a Sunday, of course. So this is Ramla beach. It's a very popular beach. As far as I can tell, I haven't certainly I'm in just in the beginning stages of exploring the Island of Gozo. Um, But it's a popular beach and um, I feel really privileged and grateful that I can walk to it. I don't have to drive or take a rideshare, a bolt, it's called. I don't have to bolt or anything like that. It's it's really a dream. I was really looking forward to more of a nature walk to the beach, which is what I have at my mom's. I have a great route at my mom's. It's about 40 minutes and there's hills and forest and ocean. And sometimes I see some animals. And so I was excited about this walk. And um, I walked down there and I didn't really bring much with me and I'm kind of bony. So Sitting on a rock, which is what I did, isn't super comfortable. But I sat there for a while and looked at the ocean and watched the people and the the kids and the families and all that stuff. Um, I took a few photos and I listened to a podcast for a little while and got a few laughs. And uh, while I was sitting there, um, this there was a couple of young men uh, together. I mean, they had to have been. I don't. I don't even know if they were twenty one. I mean, these were young guys. And one of them came over and um, he had a thick accent. I'm not quite sure where he's from, potentially maybe Italy. And I finally figured out he wanted my Instagram. And I said, oh, no, I, d- I don't have Instagram. And I mentioned that because I want to talk uh, a little bit later in the second half about menopause. And one of the things about menopause that, that I hear women talk about and that I um, am experiencing myself is that there's this fear of becoming invisible and of not being looked at, particularly by by men. Now, that's my scope of experience. That could also potentially happen uh, for women if they have female partners. I I know much less about that. If you're somebody that knows a lot about that and you want to come on the show and talk about that, that would be really fun. So hit me up. Um, I'll give you all my contact details at the end of the show today. So anywho, I have for the most part, once in a while, I swipe on a little mascara and a lip pencil, but not often it kind of bothers my eyes now. And uh, so I'm just, I just am what I am. Um, and I have let go of this idea that I need to be broadly attractive to men or that my value is based upon a man Noticing me or hitting on me or saying something vulgar to me, which is sometimes not, not all the time. Um, do men express themselves that way, but they, they have often, um, in the course of my life. And the idea that that somehow makes me in any way valuable has completely left me. And so this young man, um, who, <laughs> I think <laughs> if I would have said, you know, I'm 52, I don't really know why you want my Instagram, he probably would have recoiled in horror. Uh, but you know, I didn't. Do, I didn't do that. I didn't need to do it. I didn't care. I just said, oh no, I don't. I don't have Instagram. Uh, he said, oh sorry. I'm like, that's okay. I thought he wanted me to take his photo or something. Um, so anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the latter half of the show. And, uh, we talk about menopause. Um, so before I get to the first break, the reason that I decided to, Oh, so I'll finish real quick. My practices. So I then marched back up the hill, um, which is, it is a beast. It's a beast. And, um, you know, I'm a turtle, I'm a turtle, not a rabbit. Uh, I'm not a bunny. I've always been more of a turtle and I just, you know, I just, inched my way up there and sweated into my eyeballs and rested when I needed to. And when I got back to my building, I sat on the front steps, uh, for a few minutes because I felt like I was going to throw up. Um, and I have three flights to, to climb because I'm on the third floor and, uh, the first floor is a, is floor zero, uh, which is common outside the U S in the U S the first floor is one and outside the U S it's, uh, it's zero. And so, uh, yeah, so I recovered and came up and made myself an omelet and, um, had this lovely nectarine and a local pear that I bought at my little market, um, yesterday. And, uh, here I am doing the show. So that's what I did today. I just wanted to give you some specifics about my actual practices, um, that are really, uh, lifting me up. And so whatever, you know, whatever yours are, Um, They don't need to be perfect by any means. They don't even really need to be designed or figured out or attached to any type of role goal or certainly, please, please don't attach them to the way you look. Oh my goodness. There's so many more interesting things about you than the way you look. So please detach them from, from the way you look and just do them. Just do them. Just practice them hopefully imperfectly because i'll tell you what for a former perfectionist to be in a place like malta where there is no home for perfectionism there is no home there is no home for hypervigilance it is it is just not that kind of place it's uh, it's a wonderful sort of serendipity okay, I'm going to take a quick break and then um, I'm going to come back and talk about menopause.
0: Follow voice America at facebook.com forward slash for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at GiraffeTangoOctopus.com. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. you're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host. And before I forget, If you are, I was talking about my sleep earlier and I just got excited to tell you things and I forgot to give you the link. If you want to try that app and you want a nice discount, there's you get seven days free regardless. And then, you know, it's not like a three buck app. It's a bit of an investment. And for me, it has been well worth it. And you get a really good discount, 30% by going to stellarsleep.com slash GTO. So very easy to remember GTO. Okay, so why did I decide that I would talk a bit about menopause today? Well, you know, certainly we're not going to cover that whole topic in half of a show. I wanted to introduce it today because I think I would like to provide some ongoing information and support and hopefully have some folks on the show that might want to talk about their experiences with it. And the reason it came up is because I do... Look for, you know, contract roles that might suit me. They have to be work from anywhere and uh, contract and, you know, somewhere between maybe 10 and 15 hours a week, maybe 20. And I found a listing for a sex coach. And as I looked into it, it was a sex coach for women who are experiencing menopause. And I sat down and wrote this really detailed, very personal cover letter about my experience. And as I did it, I thought, dang, I know a lot about this and I would be a great sex coach. Now, that said, my experience over this last mm, probably maybe around a year, a little more than a year, I haven't applied for a ton of jobs. Uh, when I look sometimes at the Reddit threads of, of people who are looking for work, I mean sometimes their applications are in the hundreds, and so certainly I'm not I'm not talking about those kinds of numbers. But for the most part, I've received of all the applications I've submitted, regardless of how hard I work on them or how much I adjust a resume or you know or um, really uh, adjust my uh, cover letter and all that stuff, I've gotten one response where I could submit some work product. And then I got a, a a thank you, but no thank you response from that. So I, at the risk of sounding uh, negative, I doubt I'll hear back, even though I would be an excellent fit for this role. Um, I doubt I'll hear back just because that's my experience. But hey, if I do, I will update you and let you know. Um, But then that got me thinking, you know, I have so much to offer in this area. And as I'm just coming up on 53, many of my compatriots are either perimenopausal or menopausal or just coming up on it or have potentially been experiencing it for a while and are finding it to be challenging, um, which most of us do well. I don't know if that's true, actually, maybe I shouldn't say most of us do. Many of us do some, some women have very few symptoms and others of us have many symptoms and they can be pretty, um, what's the word? Strong, I guess, uh, prevalent, highly present in our lives. And so I just, I just decided that I'm going to offer, I'm going to do, do some type of offering about that. So, if you're interested in uh, some support with your journey through menopause, please do reach out to me. You can find me uh, most easily at my website octopus.com and uh, across social media at GTO Coaching. I'm on TikTok at Coach Kirsten and you can email me directly at Coach KJ at giraffe tango octopus.com. So pretty easy to remember. And I would be happy to chat with you to meet with you. And I'm really interested in gauging people's interest in a support group, potentially, you know, more of a peer support group. I've been facilitating groups, uh, group therapy, you know, all kinds of groups professionally for over 30 years. Uh, My last boss, my last supervisor who I worked with for almost 17. Well, she came on a few years in. I probably worked with her for close to 15 years. She one time paid me up. It was a compliment. And uh, I haven't forgotten. She said, you are a very gifted facilitator. And um, that is one of my superpowers, I guess I would say it is one of my skill sets. And the idea of, you know, just having a group of women together. I did a women's group years ago when I worked in addiction, uh, addiction recovery, and it was so fun and interesting and wonderful. And also, you know, it's not just about the woman um, who is experiencing menopause. It is about the people in her life and her partner. And particularly if she has a male partner, it can be really uh, jarring to everyone, jarring to the woman and upsetting to go through the physical uh, and hormonal and emotional changes that we go through. And it can absolutely impact your sexual life and your sexual relationship with your partner, which can be upsetting, confusing, jarring for them. And because you're going through something that is new to you and you've heard about it, right? We all hear about it. We hear about the hot flashes. We hear about not being able to sleep, We hear things like menopause belly and weight gain and, you know, loss of libido and vaginal dryness and all these things. We hear about those things and until they are part of your lived experience, I think it's difficult to appreciate the impact of them on your day-to-day life, on your work life, on your your relationships, and on your intimacy. Uh, So that's why I decided to just do a little bit today in terms of information. So my story quickly, uh, and you can read this in more detail on my website, I wrote a three-part blog called Farrah Fawcett Saved Your Life, and it details my journey with anal cancer, which was diagnosed when I was 40. So that is where my journey with menopause began because when I got chemotherapy and pelvic radiation to treat that anal cancer, I was immediately um, kicked into menopause. And so I was someone who was, I had a very active sex life uh, prior to that. And I had a quite a active libido. I don't know, you know. Uh, Comparisons are not helpful, I I realize. And just from interacting with peers and um, sharing about our various sexual lives, I was rather active and my sex drive was high and I found sex extremely pleasurable and I didn't typically have any pain or any struggles with it and I could rely on my libido on being able to lubricate uh, my vagina naturally in order to have intercourse. I could rely on being able to have an orgasm without uh, too much fanfare. I mean, you know, it depends. W- we are women, uh, so it can be a little more complex uh, for us. But I, I, that all that was going great for me. And, you know, never did I imagine when I went to get this surgery to have a fissure removed that, you know, after a couple of years of telling the doctors that I believed I had anal cancer. Okay. So, yes, I believed I had anal cancer. And I kept pushing, pushing, pushing um, until somebody would at least sort of believe me. They still didn't believe me. And the surgeon recommended I not have this tear. It was a fissure, a tear that wouldn't heal. She recommended I not have it removed and I insisted and she cut it out and uh, it was fully developed invasive anal cancer and it had gone to my inguinal lymph nodes. So that is in your groin. And so I was not a surgical candidate, unfortunately, because had it been able, had it been contained and I wouldn't been able to just have it surgically removed it would have potentially saved me from having to have the chemotherapy and the pelvic radiation now pelvic radiation is a uh, oh boy it is really something so if you're someone who has had that or you know someone who's had that um it can be really really painful and it can be somewhat devastating in terms of your sexual health going forward and my experience was that my sexual health was not centered in any fashion, by any provider. I, because my sexuality, my sexual spirit, my sexual health, my ability to have sex, my ability to have intercourse comfortably, those things were incredibly important to me. And because of that, I pushed hard and relentlessly for a decade, really, to get where I am now. And I'm having a wonderful, I'm having a wonderful, uh, sexual life. I just want to say, so if you're struggling either because of medical treatment of any type that has this impact on you. So there are a variety of medical treatments that could cause um, your body to change in the ways that, that I've mentioned that mirror, um, kind of an extreme version of menopause and that are quite immediate. Versus the the gradual nature that sometimes comes along with perimenopause and then menopause, so here's I think where I want to focus today. Um, I have lots and lots and lots of experience and tools and strategies and um, lots of things to say, particularly about uh your vagina, my vagina, your vagina, vaginas in general. And I am going to potentially be able to get to maybe a couple of those things because I do always like to try to give some practical things that you can use right away. But, but however, and however we want to make this transition, here's the thing that I missed and didn't know I was missing in all those years of, of tenacious, dogged pursuit of my sexual health and that was true acceptance true acceptance of myself of the new body that I have had and have of my value as a human and as a woman and The truth, which is after that type of treatment and after we enter menopause, it's unlikely that we will ever be the same. And I was so militant about wanting to reclaim what I was before that there was no real love there was no real compassion for myself. There was no acceptance of myself. And to not have compassion during, oh man, such a challenging time, challenging, painful. It, if, if I were to, you know, I know we can't go back and I don't, I don't typically spend uh, much time on regret. If I had had those things, compassion, love for myself, acceptance of myself as I was at that time, and a gentleness, like a nurturing gentleness, I would have had a completely different experience and it would have highlighted that I was not with someone at the time who was compassionate or accepting or empathic. My partner also, I believe, and I'm, I'm making this conclusion from many years of experience with that partner, wanted me back the same way. I think we both longed for that. And what it did was it created a tremendous amount of suffering, tremendous, to the point that I didn't want to live at certain points. It became so not just important to me, but so then devastating that I couldn't seem to get back what I thought I needed to get back to have this happy life that I had before because I characterized the life before as the happy life, the life where everything was great, the life where I had the body I wanted, where I had the sex life that I wanted, the relationship I wanted, the partner that I wanted. Now that's a, that's an unhelpful comparison. And I hear it. I hear it from women, my age, um, or who have gone through physical changes from medical treatment or menopause. And they will literally quote a a weight that they were. Well, when I was this weight, you know, things were great. Or when I wore this size or, and it is an attachment to something that no longer exists and a comparison that makes the now seem lesser not as good as, and what it did to me was it kept me roiling in grief, which I, I did eventually identify. I I can't remember exactly. Mm, I think it might've been, I think it might've been the Shania Twain documentary. Um, it's, it's, it's a number of years old, but it's, where she's lost her voice, she's gone through so much trauma in her personal life that she's lost her ability to sing. And so she makes a docu-series about getting her voice back. And there's a tremendous amount in it that's about grief and letting things go and healing and moving on from these things that are causing us so much pain and suffering I think it might've been, I I love that series, by the way, if you have any, if you have a a way to access it, I don't want to give away. (laughs) There's something that happens at the end. That's one of my favorite things I've ever watched, seen, or heard. I'm not going to tell you what it is in case you can get your hands on that. And I want to ruin it for you. It was just very moving and very meaningful to me. And I remember where I was sitting, I was sitting in my little apartment and I said out loud to no one, I'm stuck in, I'm stuck in grief. I'm stuck in mostly in bargaining. Um, Well, but if, but if only, if only I could get this back, if only I could perform in this way, you know, sexually, then the tension in my relationship, the stress around sex, the pain, the literal brain splitting, dissociative pain that I was enduring, trying to have intercourse when I wasn't. I wasn't ready. It wasn't time to do that. There were other methods to bring me to a point where I could have potentially um, had intercourse in a way that didn't re-traumatize me over and over and over again. But I couldn't see that because I was stuck in the grief and the wanting for things to be the way they were and the bargaining and the anger. And that is what would sometimes Rob me of my will to live. And I mean, that's just unacceptable. That's unacceptable to me, for myself. And it's unacceptable to me, for any of you, to for a natural change, a natural change that comes to us in this life for a reason, and that helps us to transition to a different part of life that is now that I'm twelve or so years in is very freeing and for me is filled with gratitude. Um it's unacceptable that we beat ourselves up that that we don't like our bodies that we don't accept our bodies that We can't necessarily talk about it at work when it is absolutely a health issue that impacts most likely your ability to do your work in the way that you did before. And it can take us to quite a dark and lonely and desperate place. And it doesn't have to. We can reject this idea that we have to stay Youthful or pretty or fertile or any of those things that are present in our youth in order to be valuable as a human person, a human woman. So, yes, I have some passion around this because boy, we can, we can change our experience of menopause by changing the way that we treat ourselves, accept ourselves, the way that we are compassionate and gentle and nurturing with ourselves and loving to ourselves before we've done one thing to change our hot flashes, our sleep, our low libido, our brain fro- fog, frog. <laughs> our brain frog, our crippling anxiety that just won't stop, our sleep disturbances, our bloating, our weight gain, our, our vaginal dryness, our pain with intercourse, the difficulties we encounter in our relationships as a result of all these things. Before we have done any of the many things that are available to us, which there are many, and maybe I'll have a little, I don't know, menopause corner, or maybe I'll do a series. I'm feeling a series coming on, maybe. Uh, Maybe that's what we should do. Before we've done any of those things, we can stop and say, okay, this is an amazing, challenging interesting transition in my life. And I am going to love myself, accept myself, treat myself with compassion and gentle nurturing. And I am going to reject these manufactured standards about what makes a woman valuable and primarily it is appearance, physicality, youthfulness. It's it's made up. I say this about a lot of things because it's true. As human beings, we make most everything up and it, it has amazing results. I mean, we do amazing things and build amazing things and you know, this is often the example, but we we fly to the moon. Okay. So I'm not saying we shouldn't make stuff up, but there are some made up things that we believe and then we torture ourselves with them. And that, that is unacceptable to me. So, okay. Before I run out of time today, I do want to give you maybe just a couple of tips and um, so I will tell you quickly that I did use hormone replacement briefly I took estrogen and you can't take unopposed estrogen. in my case you couldn't I couldn't take unopposed estrogen because it raises the risk of uterine cancer which runs in my family and so I took progesterone and I felt absolutely terrible of I had just, I had just long periods that I felt bloated and I felt uh, terrible emotionally. I mean, it was sort of like the worst of PMS and periods that you get when you're a teen, or maybe you are still having periods like that. And so I, I thought, well, that's not for me. And so what I did was I did for a while, continue that estrogen. And I had an IUD put in and that protected my uterus. So that was a recommendation from a fertility specialist, one of the very long list of practitioners that I saw. There were things about that IUD that were great. And there were things that I didn't like. And so I did eventually have it removed. And at that point, I was long past taking anything. And so for the vast majority of the last decade, Um, I've just had a natural menopause process without any hormone replacement. I have no opinions either way about what is right for you. I just wanted to let you know that that, that was my path. Um, And, and I did try a variety of different types of estrogen and stuff like that, but it just, it just wasn't for me. And I knew that I was delaying the inevitable and I really just wanted to sort of be free of the fight with it. So I stopped fighting with it and just let it do its thing. So in um, this last few minutes, I'm just going to give you a quick, quick tip. You will need lubrication. Um, I love fractionated coconut oil. It doesn't have any taste um, or smell, and it doesn't become solid at room temperature. There are other carrier oils, grapeseed oil, jojoba oil that are also good. Um, so you just want to make sure that they don't smell or taste, um, that, that I find that to be helpful. Um, and lubricant in this case, oil, it likes to slide on itself. So if you're putting something in your vagina, you would like to put something in your vagina and you have vaginal dryness and you have pain, lubricate the outside of your vagina, the inside of your vagina and whatever you are putting in your vagina. So. Potentially that is a penis or fingers or a toy of some kind. And that is my one super practical tip beyond love yourself. There is nothing wrong with you and there is freedom in menopause on the other side of these crazy symptoms that you're probably dealing with. All right. So I think I told you already where you can find me. And um, I'm going to wish you a wonderful week. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself, and dance your own tango.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango.